after Hitler riot in Germany, there were broadcast the speech of Jewish publicist under the title Beethoven als Educator. It was published in Polish in a Jewish newspaper. So in his speech, Maximilian Zentnerfer expressed his views about Beethoven as a treasure of uh, human uh, universal culture. And this speech was addressed to all Polish people who uh, share with him anti-Nazi attitudes. I must repeat that in Poland, in Warsaw, lived a large group of Jews which organized in 1930s boycott of German concerts. Maximilian Zettnerschwer's speech was an element of Jewish boycott against Nazis and it's very important, very characteristic that the subject of this speech was Beethoven's music. This is Claiming Beethoven. We portrayed a group of international musicologists and historians examining aspects of propaganda, collaboration, resistance, persecution and exile to learn about the distortion of historiography and the relevance for our own present times. This podcast by Michael Custodis and his team at the University of Münster is related to the project the role of Beethoven and his music in Nazi-occupied European countries. Welcome again to the episode of Claiming Beethoven, our podcast, where today I'm talking to Magda Jadik, our dear colleague from the university in Krakow. And in the first part, she explained in very detailed pictures how the music life in Upper Silesia and in Poland developed during the interwar years, including, of course, Beethoven, the complicated relations of Polish music life and the music life in Upper Silesia between the eastern neighbor Russia and the western neighbor Germany. And now, of course, with the outbreak of the Second World War, it all gets very much more complicated, very tragic, with a lot of devastation, with a lot of terror that the German troops, some started in late 1939. So Magda, first of all, welcome again. It's great to have you here. And my first question would be, as we started the first part of the episode, how do we have to imagine the situation in Poland and in Upper Silesia with the outbreak of the Second World War also including the music life? I guess a lot of interruptions, maybe some continuities, but how would you summarize the change of the dramatic atmosphere? The change is very deep and it uh, came rapidly because as early as in first weeks of the war, all representatives of Polish intelligentsia were arrested or they have to escape from Katowice, from other upper Silesian city. And all Polish institutions stopped their activity. At the spring uh, 1940, there were organized German institutions. First of all, in April 1940, German conservatory started its activity in the building of previously existing the Polish conservatory, but with completely other people. New professors, new new teachers were invited, if not from Katowice, from, from other German cities. The director of the conservatory was Fritz Lubrich, who was also the director of his choir. Now Meister Scherger Sankverein was called 
Texas Hall City Choir. In the autumn 1940, there was organized Katowice Symphony Orchestra and his conductor, his main conductor, and at the same time, the director of all music life in Katowice was Otto Wartisch, one of the most outspoken promoters of Nazis idea. He was the member of NSDAP from 1930. And during his stay in Katowice, he continued this course and other music activists as Ludwig Gerhard Trecke, who was the composer and director of conservatory in Katowice after Ludwig. They all were very engaged in Nazist ideology. And for example, when Fritz Ludwig gave the speech on the occasion of opening of Katowice Conservatory. He spoke not only about uh, superiority of Germans in the European culture, etc., but at the same time he expressed anti-Semitic views, speaking about modern music as Jewish confection, Jewish confection, and this speech was published in the daily Katowice Zeitung, which was at the wartime the voice of NSDAP, of the National Socialist Party. And as Katowice Orchestra, it was composed uh, also of new people, Germans who came from other cities. And first season of Katowice Orchestra, this means the season 1940 till 1941, was the time where a series of symphony concerts was organized. And between these concerts were two performances of Beethoven. Fritz Lubrich performed with his choir, Missa Solemnis, once again. And the orchestra under Otto Wartisch presented third symphony, Eroica. This symphony, Eroica, played a very special role in Upper Silesia, maybe also in other cities, not Silesian, during wartime, because it became a symbol of German heroism. There were two performances of Eroica, one under Wartisch and one under the conductor from Breslau. In both performances were understood by Katowice reviewers, among them Heinz Weber, the chef redactor of Katowice Zeitung. As a, uh, quite as the symbols of German victory, it was used very special terms concerning Eroica. Heinz Weber called Eroica as Deutsche Feier music, German festive music. This means the work who expressed the idea of struggle and the idea of German victory. In the next time, Eroica was permanent performed in this function. Was it especially the Eroica, as you mentioned, because some of the content, the story of the Eroica matched so well the ideological agenda? Or is there also other repertoire from Beethoven, some that now had found special attention? I think not. What is very characteristic, I'm not fine so far. My press query is not finished yet, but at the moment I can say that I can find and I didn't find any uh, example of performing Ninth Symphony in Upper Silesia during wartime. Maybe it was because the idea of 
brotherhood of all people contained in this work was not fit well with the German propaganda message of those times. So there were not uh, 19th symphony disappeared from repertoire. But in the next world years, other symphonies of Beethoven were performed first, fourth, seventh, and they were received by critics without ideological interpretation. And of course, your research is still is at the beginning, but do you already have an idea about piano sonatas or chamber music like the string quartets? Because they were easier to perform, of course, and some of the mobility of artists was easier to organize, for example, with concert tours than having a full orchestra on tour. So do you already have first ideas of uh, the smaller pieces in the small in the idea of the size, like the piano sonatas or songs or string quartets? Uh, of course, uh, they were performed a lot of string quartet, sonatas, uh, etc., by musicians from Katowice and by groups coming from outside. But I'm not sure if we can interpret them as expression of ideology. I think uh, it was just a part of standard repertoire, uh, which was taught in conservatory and which was played at homes in transcriptions for two or four hands. Especially in the first months of war, there were numerous performances of Beethoven, which was completely unpolitical, completely free from ideology. For example, in autumn 1940, they came to Katowice, München Horn Trio, and they had in program Beethoven and Chopin. <laughs> Udo Damert, their pianist, performed Polonaise A major. Polonaise A major was for Poles just a symbol of Polish patriotism. But in the West, this piece was conceived as, as completely neutral. So I don't think that these connections, Beethoven with Chopin in Udo Damert, program was a manifestation of his political views. It was just a normal standard repertoire. You're absolutely right, because we also know from other countries the phenomena that even under very tragic, difficult or contradictive political circumstances, sometimes music is simply music without political implications. But we also learn from the comparison with different countries that sometimes Beethoven was used to protect Beethoven as cultural European heritage against the German Nazi German dominance as some symbol of let's say resistance or opposition. Have you already heard of such examples as well? Yes, but they are not connected with Upper Silesian culture. As far as Upper Silesia, they were not trying to resist because, as I said, all Polish institutions were closed and uh, people escaped or were arrested. In the communist times, they were led uh, research about resistance, anti-Hitler resistance in Upper Silesia, but that research uh, was concentrated on activity of workers. <laughs> in, communists, uh, in communist times, we, we had not research about culture. But I can indicate very, very interesting example, completely unknown. <laughs> 
It was uh, a very characteristic history which happened in uh, Warsaw Radio. As early as March uh, 1933, after very shortly after Hitler riot in Germany, there were broadcast the speech of Jewish publicist under the title Beethoven als Erzieher. Beethoven as educator. I know uh, the content of this speech because this man uh, has published it in a Jewish newspaper. The name of newspaper was uh, Nasz Przegląd. It was published in Polish, uh, but addressed uh, mostly to Jews, but also to Polish. So in his speech, the publicist, his name was Maximilian Zentnerfer, expressed his views about Beethoven as a treasure of uh, human uh, universal culture. And this speech was addressed to all Polish people who uh, share with him anti-Nazist attitudes. I must uh, repeat that in Poland, in Warsaw, lived a large group of Jews which organized in 1930s boycott of German concerts. We know from small allusions, both expressed in open language or in subtext, there were published such small allusions in which the information about boycott was transmitted. And uh, we know about boycott of Wilhelm Wilhelm Backhaus concert, Hermann Abend wrote, and of course, Wilhelm Furtwängler, who came to Warsaw with uh, Berliner Philharmoniker in 1934. So Maximilian Zettner's speech was an element of Jewish boycott against Nazis. And it's very important, very characteristic that the subject of the speech was Beethoven's music. This is only one example which I can mention now. As the summer context of music in Poland and Beethoven in Upper Silesia already was complicated, the post-war years, you already mentioned the communist era, continued to be very complicated, both concerning the somewhat geographical structure of Poland and also the relations of Polish musicians and Upper Silesian musicians concerning German repertoire. So how was the after 1945, when the Soviet phase in Poland continued, how did the opinions concerning collaboration, resistance, you already mentioned the workers, but what do we know of the cultural life of those years, also concerning Beethoven? Was it a strong debate or was it a huge taboo? And um, how much history do we also concerning historiography? How much do we know about those era? Because I know that it's part of your research. Very few publications were devoted to this problem because it's still a very difficult problem. I know this history only from uh, witnesses who told me about the situation concerning Silesian musicians of German past after 1945. As I said, after this date, a completely new people from Eastern territories of former Poland came 
to Katowice, and they developed debate which main thread was the motive of hatred. Everything what was German was forbidden. Uh, people who tried to speak publicly Germans were fines. Every Silesians, every inhabitants of Katowice who worked in um, German conservatory during the war were fired. And these people could not work in higher music schools. Also, the members of orchestra was combined from new Polish people. So most people who were engaged in German musical life during the war went to West Germany or other countries. They didn't stay in Poland any longer. There was big emigration from Upper Silesia before 1945 and even later when uh, uh, communists allowed uh, Silesians to went to West Germany very difficult problem and until today the research about German legacy in Upper Silesia is just a niche, just a little niche. And this is uh, also because among this new new Polish generation which was active after the war were not many people who spoke German. And during the uh, communist era in Polish schools, in Polish grammar schools, no German was taught. Everybody learned, of course, Russian and uh, as the second language, English, but but uh, never, never German. In this western part of the region, with the capital in open, Opole, the situation was not so strong, not so difficult, because German minority stayed on the place, stayed in the country, and they have a right to speak German, and until today, they have active German minority. Already 50 years ago, Willy Brandt started somehow to build up a relation between Western Germany and Poland, um, paying tribute to the victims of the ghetto in Warsaw, somehow as a symbol of accept the German guilt for the Second World War and the destruction and all the terror that German troops caused. But still, as you also mentioned during the debates we had, for example, on our uh, workshop in Bonn, that it's still in parts complicated to debate those issues also in a Polish context. It's a lot of contradiction. It can get very complicated to discuss resistance and collaboration and everything in between because music can be part of it and music also can be a neutral ground or even means of diplomacy to build up relations again. So how easy or complicated is your own research concerning our topic of Beethoven and the interrelations between Polish and German heritage and Katowice and Krakow music life in between. So is it still a huge debate or is it now more like an academic scholarly debate, so not really highly politicized? I must say that there is no systematically debate about German heritage in Upper Silesia. And especially now, when we have this conservative and patriotic rule, these uh, matters are not 
popular. And even the typical for Upper Silesia movement to restore this Upper Silesian mentality. Saying Silesia, saying I am Silesian, is now not popular in, in Poland. But uh, of course, they are people who declare such attitude, but they work in niche, uh, as I said. There is a small group of scholars from Katowice University who care about, for example, uh, Upper Silesian writers as Bruno Arndt, about uh, whom I, I told you previously. For example, we have in Katowice several magazines where when we can buy souvenirs of typical Silesian character or we have in television some auditions uh, which are performed in Silesian dialect. For example, that who are about cooking. <laughs> but uh, it's, it is just a play for children, just doing by people who have sentiment to our heritage, but this trend is not supported by Warsaw. The outbreak of the Russian war in the Ukraine, here especially in Germany, caused a strong debate of the ideological reclaiming of national heritage, especially uh, huge debates how to deal with musicians from Russia who somehow support Putin, because we always have to keep in mind that there's also a Russian opposition that needs support. Is there similar debate in Poland concerning some of the re-ideologization of culture, especially music, because Poland, of course, as we know, is very engaged to support Ukraine uh, right now. So does this somehow political tension also reach into the field of music in Poland and in Silesia? Or is it a, a different domain because the border is so close and some of the political all issues that are dealing with the war are so strong that there's not a direct connection to music? This problem is very complex because there are expressing different views on, on, on this problem. And there is a large group of old people who remember anti-Polish attitude of Ukrainians in the 1930s and the war years. There is another group who supports Ukrainian. Of course, there are many musicians among them. We had in Poland many, many concerts of Ukrainian musicians and, um, for example, several Polish uh, contemporary composers wrote compositions devoted to, to Ukrainian war. But uh, from the other side, we are worrying what uh, will be with our contacts with uh, Russian and Belarusian colleagues. Because, uh, for example, at our university and at several other Polish universities, it's now forbidden to invite Russian and Belarusian colleagues. What is tragic for us because uh, before Ukrainian war, we have close contacts with with them, and we um, we continue uh, continue very important research concerning our contacts in in the past. And uh, for example, now we are continuing uh, research about Stanislav Moniuszko, who was born in Belarusia near Minsk, and we cannot cooperate with people from Minsk because it, it is forbidden. It, it's tragic. But I uh, I can say as. For 
far as my university is concerned, concerned lectures about Russian culture, Russian art are continued. For example, colleagues from Faculty of uh, History of Art had lecture about uh, Russian culture. In next month, a doctorate student of mine will uh, finish their thesis about, <laughs> about the music in Russian multics, films uh, for children <laughs> in the Stalinist period. So Russian trends are not completely forbidden. Yeah, and that's also what, what I learned from our project with so many countries involved, that somehow the national perspective does not always explain everything, but instead we need to keep up conversations and discuss things and uh, together get deeper into the complex and contradictive and also very tragic chapters of history to find out more and to learn some of what has to do with our recent times. So may I maybe tempt you a little bit to speculate about the future of your own research in our project and what you're looking forward to, because there are so many things to learn and so many things to learn also from the other colleagues. Are there certain aspects where you are especially curious or some questions you're dealing with already that you are looking forward to learn, especially from our international project? Uh, of course, it's very important for me to learn uh, the publications of other members of our team. I think it's a wonderful thing that our team existed. It, uh, I think it would be very, very important when these international teams should keep contacts in the future to take up maybe next problems. But this problem about musical culture under Nazis rule is, in my opinion, extremely important because it allows to fill a great gap in our knowledge about our history and our contemporary culture. That was a great ending, and I want to thank our dear colleague from the University of Krakow, Magda Dziadek, who told us about the music life in Poland, especially in Upper Silesia during the Second World War, and who described with so many fascinating examples how complicated and how rich are the chapters that she will carry out in the research for our project in the upcoming years. If you're interested to learn more about Magda and her research and her renome in the musicological realm, visit please her website at the University of Krakow. And if you're interested in our project, visit musicandresistance.net to learn more details about all the other colleagues involved. And if you like, follow us on Instagram with our Instagram account, Claiming Beethoven. But now, finally, Magda, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for your time and thanks so much for all the fascinating examples you gave. And I'm really looking forward to continue discussing with you. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast was presented by Michael Custodes and his team. Francesco Bruno took care of editing, sound design and production.